We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you. What is it? Friday, July 8th. We just had the Wolves' first summer league game. I'm joined by Kyle Tige to kind of break that down. I wanted to, Kyle, I want to talk to you about some Gobert stuff. We haven't had the chance to do that yet, but feels like, feels right to, to start with the summer league. The Wolves got undefeated in their uh they're one and oh now in in summer league josh minot what was it 22 and 10 you're oh you're ready to open your your drink kyle taggy oh wow that was a, that was a sprayer uh yeah i'm glad to be back we're coming to you live from uh our room at the cosmopolitan um there's a lot to talk about but uh yeah we're, I, th- I think did he finish with 22 and 10 i told you if you like got to 30 i was gonna jump in the bellagio fountain but uh <laughs> No, where do you want to start? They're one to know. That was a fun. I mean, had low expectations. I think we talked about this that uh I think they were like 60 to 1 to win Summer League. Like I think that the lowest odds. Um and that's what happens when you trade every draft pick and current rookie <laughs> for the next millennium. Um but they had some fight in them. Uh shout out to Kevin Brosen who was coaching the team. Um they were they were dogs. I thought like, they really got into him in the second half. Yeah, I, I think from a like what I was trying to watch for going into it was I was going to be focused on Wendell Moore. Obviously, you know, the, the top pick out of the Wolves have Wendell Moore going was the 26th pick. Minot was the 45th pick, I believe. And Mateo Spagnolo is the 50th pick. They're all playing. So naturally, you know, you kind of you look to Wendell Moore. You want to see, you know, how big he looks, how, you know, how athletic he is, what position is he playing, all those sort of things. And it wasn't so much that he like totally faded into the background or blended in or anything, but Josh Minot like totally, totally stole the show. Um, he he looks every part the athlete to be in the NBA. The first, I think, like his first five minute stint, maybe had five turnovers. He was he was all over the place. But but really, it was. I mean, Christian Brown was pretty good for Denver, but Josh Minot might have been the best player on the floor in that game, and he also might have been the youngest. Yeah, I think someone on media wrote maybe it was me, maybe it wasn't, but coined the term "drunken giraffe." Uh Cause he's just all arms and legs, right? He was just all over the place. That first stint kind of looked like though someone who was just, and we'll talk about this, but like who's just so full of energy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he was just so geeked to be in this first game. Um, I don't think his career has necessarily gone the way maybe he had thought, you know, just 
what what happened in Memphis, not playing a lot, dropping to the second round, you know. But um, he was a he was a dude. Like he did things that, I mean, like I I, I said this at during his press conference, but like I'm starting to have some of those same feelings about him that I had about Jaden, and it's like I know I'm, I'm torn. Like, uh, he's just he's long. Uh, he had a better handle than I thought. Um, he got a little shot happy, and he admitted this after right. post game that he uh he he took a couple heat checks, but um. He also had that big block. Like, he just – he was – to get him in the second round, he's not even signed yet. Like, you can probably speak to what kind of contracts could be on the table for him. But uh, just a really, really impressive performance in his first game. Yeah. I mean, the, the word out of the draft night, the implication just when we talked to Conley was – I think the way he put it was we have a few options of what to do with his contract, which to me I took right away as being a two-way. It also at that time on – the 23rd or whatever it was uh it you know the roster was very jam-packed things have kind of changed now they have open roster spots i think they could finagle it to sort of give my not one of those Jalen noel nas reed contracts where you know it's like one or two years are guaranteed but four years off in the future i think for both nas and Jalen, those have been pretty big successes and i think really all you need to to feel confident in that is is a summer league, like obviously more than one game from my not, but being, yeah, I guess you got to ask yourself the question of, is it worth it to have him up with the club all the time or with a two way situation? He's just be down to the G league a little bit more than he would the alternative. But I mean, that, that looked like a rosterable player for sure. Yeah. And I mean, it's Friday, right? And I'm just staring at this high noon, but like, let's give it a couple. I'm not trying to throw, you know, cold water on it. I, uh, some impressive stuff was I think he had 22 points. Uh, his career high in Memphis in 33 games was 18. So he, again, it's summer league, but he outscored his career high in college. Uh, he also had two threes, which was the same number of threes he hit all of college. Kyle actually brought that up to Josh. Yeah, Josh, in the Josh can't wait to start t- <laughs> uh, just start jacking threes. But no, I mean, this will be a debate now we can talk about all summer. But I mean, like, you know, we are in the desert. Like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Like. This might just be all be cool stuff that entertains us for the next week, but he might still be better served going to Iowa, right? Because like he seems like the type of guy that just needs a ton of reps. Um, he's a confidence guy just to build up his energy. Hamburgers you know I mean? and yeah, he needs a, whatever they're feeding people down in Des Moines. So I think he like I'm hyped. Like I'm gonna get absolutely hammered tonight. Just thinking about Josh Minot, but in the same vein, like he, he you don't want to see him just rot away on the bench. Like some of those guys, it mm. wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he just went and crushed down in Iowa. But um, the thing that he talked about all after the game, and I, I had actually heard this in like some of the things he talked about pre-draft, um, energy. Just like his, his thing is like, you know, pour one out. The lawnmower. Yeah, the lawnmower. Pour one what out. Was that, what was that quote? I'm going to find it. Um, pour one out for Josh Okoge, uh, you know, Mr. Right. Nonstop, who signed with the Suns. So the Wolves kind of had this lacking energy player sure. uh and he said when we got to talk to him after the game he said he said overall i felt like i just got into the groove of things it's like a lawnmower once i got going just kept going <laughs> and listen if anyone knows me like i love a good analogy that makes no sense in the world because i'm pretty <laughs> sure that when i mow a lawn and you let go of the bar it stops but hey shout out to josh my, or my not um i just like he a, just seems like, like an a, electric mower or something yeah or like maybe a riding self-propel like, he just seems like such, and again, I go back to like, we were talking, you no, know, there's, first of all, 
if you are listening to this and you're a fan of the Timberwolves, of any team, of basketball in general, NBA Summer League is such a hoot. I mean, you're just like walking around. Dane and I went to get waters. Oh, there's Ben Simmons. Oh, there's LeBron. Like, there's an executive from this team. So we get to talk to a bunch of different people. And there was a lot of people talking about how, like, again, Josh Minot just didn't really have the year at Memphis that he wanted. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that he got to do what you know there's like guys who are the guys that are there in memphis like imani bates and stuff and yeah imani bates jalen duran so like i mean he just he kind of got buried there and he just seems like well, a guy it, that's it was, waiting to explode sharks told us a, a good a good story which was just that minot was recruited by like the lead assistant yeah for not memphis. Penny hardaway but like the lead assistant yeah and so memphis had a situation where they had a lot of like spots filled so and he might not like allegedly wasn't exactly Penny's priority in that in that situation, which was I mean, maybe I could have just done more research and, and found that out. But that's I think that's informative because we're at the just look at their basketball reference page stage yeah, of like getting yeah, to know yeah, these yeah. players. And you're like, oh, he only played 13 minutes a game and averaged four point whatever it is, you know, and it's the same thing with Matteo Spagnolo. Like last night for the first time, I really started watching any of him. And before that, all I had done is like looked at his stats. It's like, oh, 44% three point shooter. Oh, wait. Then you watch him play. You're like, he just doesn't shoot threes that often, you know? Right, yeah. So that, I always find that part like just interesting about covering a team in general is like, oh, wait, what, what is actually like, what is actually these guys' background? And, and Minot was a really high level recruit. He, he went to Memphis. And like you said a couple times, just like it wasn't the situation that he probably envisioned it wasn't the best situation. And because of that, I mean, he wouldn't have been the 45th overall pick if, if, if things didn't play out that, that sort of way. So I think, yes, reactive on Friday night after the first game, but I think you can feel confident that you, that the Timberwolves got a player at 45. That is a stock that's higher than that. Right. And again, it is Friday of summer league (laughs) in July, but, um, I love to just make things way too big of a deal. I was thinking that Jared Culver draft, I always like to say that they, the Wolves drafted Nas Reed in the first round, Jalen Noel in the second round, and then they got Jared Culver as an un, undrafted free agent. Like, <laughs> there's a chance, and we'll talk about him, and again, maybe Wendell Moore comes out on Sunday and just balls out, but um, Josh Minot could be the best player that the Wolves got in that draft. Like, that's not a non-zero percent chance. So, um, really exciting, really athletic, great kid. Can't, like, everyone, his teammates talked about him. Oh, dude, like, him and Ant. Like I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna tweet that out. Like, if him and Ant somehow get to do one press conference together, like that's just ten million views. Like, if the, if you do like a side, if the Wolves do like some side content, it's got to be Josh and Ant just like mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like having their first beer together, like just going exploring <laughs> like North Loop. So, uh, Josh Minot, big fan. Uh, let's talk about Wendell Moore here, quick. Uh, he, I, I said this on a couple of the pods I did you know, prior prior to Summer League after the Wolves had drafted him. I was really curious to see, you know, what he looked like. Well, just what he looked like in person and also in the context of NBA or quasi-NBA caliber players. And um, he was a little bit smaller than I maybe envisioned or maybe hoped for him. And I don't know if that's a product of the, the guys that were on the floor around him, but he also was playing a smaller position. They have him playing point guard in yeah, this, yeah. which... I think the path to minutes on the Wolves for, you know, 11th, 12th, man, whatever he is in the pecking order is going to be harder as a 
you know, as a point guard, a lead ball handler, I was kind of saying like, if Wendell Moore plays this year for the Wolves, it's probably like as a three. Now, granted, that was pre-Gobert and everything. So I don't know. I probably need to rethink that. But I think it's interesting and, and somewhat telling that they've opted to lean more one for him than three in this, which sometimes just in summer league, like I remember like Desmond Bain last year, they yeah. just had like play point guard. Yeah. And so it's maybe that's just the best way to get like to establish balls. Remember like Zach Levine played point guard yeah. as a rookie. So maybe there's there's some of that. It's like this is where he can spread his wings most. I don't think that's what he'll play for the Wolves if and when he does play. If anything, he'd be maybe more of like a second side uh, playmaker for them. But he just for better and for worse in summer league, I think screamed role player. Which is what he was, which is what he was, you know, drafted to be. And you saw him, I think, kind of like taking that on. And if some people maybe thought like, oh, this is their first wrong pick, you know, he's going to average like 25, like that's just not Wendell Moore's game, you know, and and that probably isn't the game that Kevin Burleson or even Chris Finch want him to play right now. You mean just straight up, he kind of seems like a guy who has a higher floor than Josh Minot, but a lower ceiling, right? Like, sure. You drafted him, again, going back to, like, you know, uh, BG, like, before Gobert. Like, you drafted Walker Kessler to kind of fill in this rim protection thing, and then you got this guy late in the first round that was, like you said, just a perfect role player. And I will say that today he didn't pop, and he also did look— I want to see him stand next to Jalen Noel at some point. Like, they It's might- funny you bring up Jalen Noel because, like, I think— I mean, you and I are big Noel fans. I think 99% of Wolves fans are— but Jalen Noel played in summer league multiple times, including last year. Mm-hmm. And like, sounds weird to say, but I think Jalen Noel popped more when he's played in preseason or when he got minutes for the actual Wolves than he did in summer league. So I actually am a believer that summer league, like I'm more in like the summer league actually matters and you could tell things side of it. But at the same time, I think summer league caters better to certain types of players than others. And you know, maybe a six four guard isn't that guy. And I mean, we should, you know, comment again that while we're so caught up with the young puppy in in Josh Minot, like Wendell Moore hit some good threes. Yeah. Kevin Brosen raved about him after the game. He what did he say about him? He called he said Wendell has an old man's soul. Which Wendell Moore, by the way, who's an awesome person to talk to, had no clue what that meant. <laughs> um yeah. but no, I, I just thought he was steady. Like yeah. again, like I I I've seen some people throw around and this is the high end, but like I've seen some people throw around like a Malcolm Brogdon comp, um, just in the sense of like kind of like a floor general, but not going to get up too high, not going to be too fast, but just, um, I mean, again, he started a point guard and th- he just had a good feel for the game. Um, but that might just be what he does right. in Vegas for the next week and a half. It's just be steady, be a guy that can hit corner threes. Um, I thought his, I mean, again, you're kind of more of the jump shot doctor than I am. But, like I thought he had a good stroke. Um, and he's he is as fun as Minot was today. He's the guy I'm more excited to watch on Sunday, just because it's like, you know, what you're what, saying. More, you're more excited to watch. More, yeah. I'm more excited for more. Yeah, <laughs> because I just think that like he was solid today. I don't think he was bad. I just think we were so caught up in what he did, and then like my guy Kavon, I think it's Kavon Harris. Like he just yammed over that guy right in front of me, and I lost my mind. Um, so so I mean, so far so good from those two rookies. I thought they both played really well. They had their spurts. Um, and Kevin Brosen played him a lot. Yeah, well, maybe we'll hold off on talking about Spagnolo just because he didn't he didn't start he didn't play a lot in this game. I think we're 
they're probably still feeling out who and what he can be even at this level. So kind of like TBD on him. I want to see more from Wendell Moore. And like, why not just you know, keep doing this energy thing? Keep keep doing what you're doing. Look like a freak athlete. And, you know, I think he could earn himself a spot on this actual roster rather than a two-way. And as much as that comes with like the quote-unquote downside of being in the G League more, being a two-way like being on the actual roster comes with its benefits as well too even if you're not playing i mean being there yeah every day around the team to integrating you know with the group like i'm I'm just curious to see what happens with with josh minot and what sort of commitment they want to to make to him let's uh let's mix in a quick break here and then i haven't got the chance to talk to you about gobert and what's all kind of folding out there so we'll, we'll get to that after a quick break we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back with Kyle Tige. Kyle and I are here at Vegas Summer League. Um, that is not the biggest story at all in in Timberwolves land now. The I don't know. I feel like there's these like multiple phases of Gobert that we're going through. It's like ooh, shock and like let's obsess over the amount of picks that went out. Like then stage two is like oh, but what about next to Carl? Like how does that go? And and you kind of progress through that and and start thinking about you know who is he. Who is he going to empower? And I think it was Britt and I, we you know, talked a lot about how Gobert will probably have the most profound impact on D'Lo in, in just how, those, in theory, those players' games like really fit well together. But the thing, as I've kind of started to, to cycle through it, I just, the decision to keep D'Lo, who is at Summer League tonight, along with Nasri, Jaden McDaniels, and Nate Knight. Um, yes. And I don't think that's nothing. No, by the not way. at all. Not at all. I mean, I I don't know anything to be certain, but I haven't received. I mean, I was receiving way more signals that it was the end of Delo's time in Minnesota 
you know, two, three weeks ago. up with uh, Chris Finch at halftime, and everyone was just... Right. It's really... And by the way, it is... I'm a sucker for this, but it is really cool to see... Uh, and we talked about it with, with Josh and uh, Wendell after the game, but it is cool to see those proven guys come in and support the younger guys. I think they really feed off that. Right. Um, but anyway, throw, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, I, it, I just think, like... I think this was kind of... I don't want to say brilliant, but I think it could end up being brilliant of like, you were in this rock in a hard place with D'Lo, right? Just in terms of BG or yeah, before Gobert, yeah, yeah. Um, where it just, it didn't make that much sense to just keep D'Lo and like, you know, ride it out for, for, a, for a handful of reasons. And so I think the front offices and Finch are, are, are sitting there realizing some of that. And they go, well, what are, if this is true and it's, you know, we feel like we need to make an adjustment to the, to D-Lo, the D-Lo role, whatever it might be, like, is the only option to trade him? And it would probably end up being the thing I reference all the time is the Dinwiddie Bertans type deal, you know, kind of two $15 million role players in exchange for him. And I think they just said like, the Delo situation is not anywhere near where the Porzingis situation was at in Dallas that made them want to move off of that. But they go, we're still kind of at this, you know, we're still kind of at this fork in the road with Delo. And I think they kind of created a new path where they go, well, we could make a move that not only benefits Delo, but makes it so trading him doesn't make sense. Because I don't think trading Delo makes any sense right now like the idea of trading him for even call it Bertons and Dinwiddie I don't think that makes sense on on the Wolves right now like what it that makes your team worse like very obviously and I just think and I don't know th this is just my reading of, of the situation I think they did as much as they gave up a crap ton to get Gobert I think you need to factor in fairly significantly that they kind of erased a D'Lo problem. And I don't know, is that, does that subtract one first round pick or whatever it might be in things? But I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but that's kind of where I'm at in my head right now. I'm like, I think you kind of found a way to get rid of a quote unquote problem, not in terms of the caliber of player he was, but where he was in his contract, where they were set up financially they don't have those roadblocks anymore because there isn't cap space next season, no matter what. And even if you fall on the like, maybe still eventually move on from D'Lo situation, well, now you still have a salary slot where if 12 months from now when his contract's up and he wants to move on, well, now you can sign and trade him for, for a $30 million player. So I'm just, I feel really good about where the Wolves are at with D'Angelo Russell right now. Yeah, I'm a pretty big believer and being in Vegas for like, there's all this gambling going on in sports betting. I always just think about like football Sundays when like you see like the, the five biggest bets of like what the public are going on. And if you're a sh like a smart person, you should always go against that, right? Like 98% of the people took the package minus six. Like usually you should go the other way. <laughs> I felt that way about the Gobert trade. Again, I was, and Dane won't let me do the pod until I'd sobered up from Cancun. But like now that I've had a week to think about it and you've seen everyone shit on the trade. I just think that in times in anything of life, sports, whatever, like when everyone's zigging, I think it just makes sense to zig because mm -hmm. I think more often than not, 
you're going to be profitable. So the Gobert thing, everyone hates it. I'm all in. Tattoo the French flag on my back. Um, with Russell, it's like the value was so low, and everyone's like, yeah, I wouldn't trade two seconds for him and salary for It's just like, I think the Wolves realize, like, I don't know if you want to – and I, I'm – by the way, I'm very – like, I think you and I are both more pro D'Lo than I think a lot of people. I like him. I was always like, if you get rid of him, like, what are your options? Right. 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 Big Jordan McLaughlin fan, but he can't – every mm-hmm. night he starts, he is the worst point guard against his matchup. Um, I don't know if it's like, you know, redoing a kitchen in a house before you flip it or like, you know, trying to add new tires to an older car, but – To a lawnmower. Yeah, I just think they – I just think they figured out, like, you know what? Maybe we're better off just, like you said, instead of trying to, like, just move this guy, what if we just give him more pieces that fit him, him. better? Yeah. Like, there, there is nobody on the roster that's not close of who acquiring Rudy Gobert helps most. And I also think, too, going back to the zigging and zagging, like, I think it, I think D'Angelo Russell, who is very confident and very much believes in himself, would tell his closest friends that he, too, did not play well in the Grizzlies series, Right. But I kind of think back to like it's not it's apples and tangerines, but like I also think back to like the Ben Simmons thing. Like I'm still a Ben Simmons guy. His personality is wild, but like I just think we we wanted a playoff series so bad so that we could see what issues the team had. But then we also like hyper focus on mm. those things. Like yeah, Dilo wasn't great. In that well, series. the the team included, right? But the whole team was bad. Like I mean, like that. Like, <laughs> well, there was just the the the, the holes were glaring. Right, but I mean, like yeah. we talked about it after, like when I was like, yeah, you know, Carl had a couple good games. Like yeah, Carl also had a couple bad games in that mm-hmm. series. So I think we're just like we're so caught up in like those last couple minutes of Game Six when right. Finch played J Mac over over Dilo. Um, I still think Dilo should get a lot of credit for some of like, I mean, maybe he's not on the Pat Bev level, but I think he does. We've talked about this before. Empower the young guys. I think the young guys look up to him. I think he's a skilled player. And like you said, they're in a rock and a hard place. So instead of just like moving him for essentially nothing just to say, okay, we got rid of that problem. Um, it goes back to summer league. Whatever issue he may have had, I know maybe he had it wasn't whole- even a problem to start with. I mean, a and lot of I the feel problem like when he tweeted out that I hate world, I'm shopping too. Soon yeah. after you I mean I feel like he might have been frisky for a day, but I get frisky for a day. Like the fact that he was here, yeah, dapping up all the young guys, talking to fit. I mean, he he was in great spirits. He had a big smile on his face. Um, but it's all I all come back to this because I I can't remember if we talked about this yet. Shouldn't you now extend him? Right now, I and I listen. I this goes into contract negotiation and what would he want stuff like. Wouldn't it make more sense? And the only reason I ask this and people listening that might not like him are like, no, 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 let him play it out. If they lose him next summer, because I've seen people ask you this, they don't have cap space. No. So, like, I know you talked about a sign trade, but, like, you can't just be like, well, you know, worst comes to worst, he's off yeah, the books. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the decision. That's the decision. in the hard place. Yeah, is, is do you go with the extension route with him, or do you have faith that at the end of the season you can figure out an extension then and or – do a sign and trade. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point. And and I mean, I'm just generally like, I mean, you just made a massive change to your roster and the way it plays and or is going to play. And we theorize this is going to be very beneficial for D'Angelo Russell, but you know, maybe it's not. You know, maybe yeah, maybe the fit is is not perfect. I I don't really like the idea of needing to commit to anything right now until you see more. I mean it, it I'm I'm just like a Jalen Noel fan, and so if I saw tomorrow that they 
gave him a three-year, $15 million extension, I'd be like, sweet. But at the same time, like, do we know Jalen Noel is going to be? Like, you only want to give Noel that extension if he's going to be an impactful rotation player. Maybe you have concern. Maybe we need to see what he looks like defensively. I mean, we talk all the time about Gobert and some of his main issues were being surrounded by perimeter wing defenders who couldn't contain the ball themselves. Like, as much as I love Jalen as an offensive player, that for three seasons has been a problem for him. You know, so I'm just, I'm kind of in the like, I, more specifically to deal with, but like, let's just see it. Like, yeah, that's fair. I I, unless you feel like you could... need to do it to like keep him engaged and you feel committed to him as your your point guard, if you feel like you have to, then that's the only real reason. Otherwise, I'm just kind of like, keep the powder dry. You know? And I mean, let's not pretend like let's not pretend that this hasn't been discussed for 14 hours yeah, right. <laughs> in the front office. Um, can we close with one thing? I like go back to the Gobert thing once. Yeah, I, I, let's do a little cat Gobert. OK, you you start. Well, I, I mean, I feel like. I don't know, at least with this podcast and, and locally, like we've kind of parsed the like offense defense stuff with him like. I don't think there's really any offensive problems. Rudy Gobert plays like a souped up Jared Vanderbilt. And they, that's, you know, the Wolves played with Cat and Vanderbilt and were the number one offense in the league for the last 50 games of the season, whatever it was. So I don't have any real sort of like fit offensive issues. Yeah, like I'm not really raising the red flag in terms of like Cat as a four guarding on the perimeter, but I know other people are and I I can't say that that's wrong. I'm just, my whole thing is I don't have a problem with the offensive fit. And if your concern is if you add Rudy Gobert to your team and all of a sudden you have defensive concerns, that just doesn't really line up to me. So that part of it, I, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it. I'm more thinking about now as we're kind of talking about like getting more chapters into the, like processing the Gobert trade. I think it's really interesting to think about. And I'm excited to ask Chris Finch about this of like, you know what? What is the what is the plan going to be with those two? Do you want to have one of Cat and Gobert on the floor for all forty eight minutes yeah, like and stagger the, them? Yeah, the all the all NBA right. center for forty eight minutes thing. Right. Or or do you want to maximize their minutes together? And then you're going to have you know 12, 14 minutes a game where maybe neither of them are on the floor. Like that kind of seems to be your options there. And then, but doesn't it seem like the stagger option? Seems to make the most sense. Go 48 minutes of all NBA center on the floor. Yeah, because I mean, like, we're not thinking about it now because it's summer. But, like, if Rudy Gobert gets to go up against any team, like, those first six minutes of the second quarter, right? Like, right. if he gets to go up against anyone's backup center, he's just going to punk them, right? Because, I mean, think, look at the rosters mm-hmm. of NBA teams and look who their second center is, right? Like, it's there's not a lot of size in the backup center market True. still. Um or, or, or shave his cat, yeah. Right. If you if you just go yeah. cat centric from the twelve minute mark to the six minute mark, like right. maybe, and you you can correct me on this, but you know Carl played like the first quarter, yeah, right? He played like of, the first like ten eleven minutes that was of kind each of his half. Trend. Yeah. Um. And in the you know uh twenty twenty two BG like Dilo would be the first sub out, right? Well, maybe now Cat's the first sub out. Like maybe mm-hmm. you sub out Cat six minutes into the into his first stint. You have Gobert, and then you bring in like I don't right. know, Kyle Anderson's. It seems this seems like a really in the weeds sort of thought process, but like I think it really matters. We saw it matter last year with with D'Angelo Russell. Like that helped 
that decision that Finch made early to, you know, earlier in the season, right away at the beginning of the season to be like, all right, dealer, you're going to be the first sub out. You're going to lead the second unit. Like, I think that was a pretty impactful decision that like reaped real benefits, earned them the team wins over the course of the season by finding that. So I think that's going to be really important of figuring out. Like, I think it's pretty cut and dry, at least at this point, like what your nine, 10 man rotation is going to look like, but it's this stuff on the margins that kind of like, you know, makes a difference. And it'll be curious to see, you know, is it going to be go bear out first? Is it going to be cat out first? If we are talking about the stagger plan and then you would think if that's, let's say it's go bear going out first. Then I think you've got to bring in Kyle Anderson next to Cat because Cat and Anderson pair a lot better. And then when Gobert comes back in, then you put Prince at the four next to him. Yeah. Because now you got your, I mean, obviously the idea being like, let's never play two non shooters together. Let's always have one shooter out there and and Cat or, or Prince in that way. That, those guys, it seems very logical to me that Cat and Anderson whenever Gobert is not on the floor, will be tied to each other. Whenever Cat is not on the floor, Gobert and Prince will be tied together. Yeah, and I think you, you've done a professional job of like trying to report on this or cover this or whatever. Um, I've talked to people too. I mean, again, we're out here and like just there's so many people. Like, But talking to people from the Wolves, like, back me up on this. Or put, Chris Finch is fucking hyped about this. Like, He is going to have so much fun with those two guys. I know you've made all the discussions about what he did overseas with – three centers or what he's done in the past with two bigs. Like, I think he is going, this is the first time Finch came from Toronto. And then he came here and he was kind of given these certain ingredients. I feel like this is the first time I was told that Finch was pretty hyped when they drafted Walker Kessler. I mm-hmm. remember I told you that. Yeah. Um, And at the time there wasn't a Gobert trade. Right. But I think he really does want to play these two bigs next to each other. I think mm-hmm. he really wants to just nerd out. He's a basketball junkie. And I think he really, can't wait to play those two together and then also just be able to do all the different intricacies that he can do when like you said right it's just go bare and then he's got these shooter space around him or it's kyle anderson who might when it's kyle anderson and cat like maybe kyle anderson is a point guard out yeah. there right like and it's a bunch of shooters around him so i think finch is gonna have have a ball just finding all these different rotations all these different ways to make these guys work yeah i'm brit always talks about how he really saw Finch's demeanor and kind of like excitement change last season once they acquired Patrick Beverly because he because yeah, Finch yep. recognized that really can change what and how we can play. Mm-hmm. And I think Bert's right about that. I think that was accurate. And I similarly see like a change in tone and excitement of just like, Oh, now you gave me another player that allows us to play more in different ways and at a higher level. Like Gobert is Patrick Beverly on steroids. <laughs> like he he just he, he is. And I so I think, yeah, like I think Finch is just the type of coach who is not phased by weird lineups. I just he's he's not. I think he I think he kind of relishes the opportunity to 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 toy with it. So I think that's a hundred percent accurate. I've heard similar things too, where he's just, he's about it. And he's like, I don't think there was any real hesitation on his part of like, Oh, we got to move cat to the floor. He's like, no, we get to move cat to the floor because we just got the best defensive player in the league to, to go next to him. 
So we're here in Vegas. I know you've got some really almost as important as me guests lined up for the rest of the week. Um, so I know we're probably going to talk more about other basketball stuff as, as the week goes on. Um, but can we close quickly with what you started your original podcast with Britt about and just the cost of Gobert? Because I just want to hammer out a couple random sure. thoughts with you. I was just – yeah, because that's what – going back to Summer League, we talked to a lot of people today, people from The Ringer, people from The Athletic. I think a lot of basketball, like people that really cover or follow all the teams, you know, not not the Bill Simmons of the world, but people who really just nerd out over basketball. There's way more people that are intrigued by this mm -hmm. than, I, than I think, you know. But on a national level. Maybe they were just being nice to us. But. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, but maybe on a national no, level. No, I, I think you're right. On the national level, though, it's all about the cost, mm -hmm. right? And this is the latest. Hollinger wrote about it. Like, this is the latest big experiment. Um, are, are, do you agree with me that, like, it's not this be all end all of like, I keep coming back to the fact that wouldn't you rather have the players than the picks? Because if this all doesn't work out a couple of years from now, you can flip one of the players and like get some, you know what I mean? Like I think back to, I was a big, I was a big MTV Cribs fan and they'd always show like someone's garage and they'd have like four or five cars in it. Right. And they spent top dollar to get those cars. And my wife told me all the time she works in the auto and like that once you buy a car, the next day it's worth 98% of what you bought it for. But, like, you could still flip the car a week later for, like, 90% of what you got it for, right? So, like, all those cars, you're not going to be able to sell them for what you bought them for. But, like, you could still get 90% for each car. So, mm -hmm. as we kind of shift now into Summer League and we get ready for the season, like, is it okay to not be worried about the fact that, like, yeah, they give up all these picks for Gobert? But I had one person today, because I just asked, I was like, what would you trade for Carl Anthony Towns? You're on some such team. They're like, oh, we would trade three unprotected first for him. You know what I mean? And like Carl can't be traded for a year. I don't think he's going anywhere. But like, right. there is those escape plans down the road. You can't probably get a hundred percent of what you invested to make this experiment. But like, it's not like they're dead. It's right. not like it's like they put all their money on a craps table and they lost it. Like, it's more of an investment. And then you just sell off your losses down the road if it doesn't work. Yeah, I, I think about it like in two ways. I do think there's that like recoup ability to some extent like you said maybe it's 50 cents on the dollar whatever it might be if it's gobert uh in a year or two or yeah like if you do want to have this conversation like part of it is carl like it could be carl too and right three four years down i mean that's just that's how the nba works um but i like there's other like you can you can feel this out for a couple of years and and make tweaks from there and there'll be hard decisions to make but the part I really don't or disagree with is that they will never be able to bring in another impact piece. They're like, oh, oh that, they, they've made their move. That this is the roster through 2027. Yeah, it's like, and I mean, I know I'm talking to the biggest Jade McDaniels fan in the world, but if you go like, Sir. you know, maybe if it's if it's a couple years down the road from now and if D'Lo isn't, isn't here anymore or whatever, like Jade McDaniels could be, probably traded for a ton if you if you need to you look like you're gonna cry but it's just <laughs> but you brought up the topic i no, mean no. it's it's like it's an uncomfortable topic to talk about but if we want to talk about how the wolves are now negative assets like five first round picks or into the future four first round picks let's not pretend they don't have a lot of positive value assets the, on on the roster as yep. is and that was my only point. It's just like, I mean, again, I don't expect much from the national level of that stuff, but just, it just seems like lazy na analysis. We've talked about before, but I wanted to say it on here is like, it's not like they just don't like, yes, they don't have picks, but like mm -hmm. they have the players. 
at the end of the day, like those are the things that fetch the picks. And if you got to flip one down the road, it's like, you know, it's not. And two, it's funny. Like, when you don't have any, like you don't have any real holes in your starting lineup. You don't really have any holes in your top even six, seven, you know? So if there's ever a time to be out significant assets, it's when you're like, we have a roster that we're cool with for a while here and is going to be good. Like they have a roster that they like and is going to be in the conversation to win 50 games. So yeah, I, it goes both ways and we're obviously playing up the like, don't care that much about the pick side of it. It's both like you can, you can care about both. You could say they gave up a ton, but let's, let's not pretend this is just like we're streamlining for a Mack truck that's going to hit them in two years. And it's like, okay, start over again. And it's 2009 and Michael Beasley's your best player. Like it, they're, 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 they're nowhere, (laughs) they're nowhere, they're nowhere near, they're nowhere near like rip the cord. Okay. So last question and we'll close. How many first, how many unprotected first round picks do you think they could get for Josh Minot? <laughs> After tonight, I'd, I'd give up a couple of mine. Just like seven. <laughs> no. No, you, I mean, th- but that's part of the thing too, is like you do have other players you're developing right now, right? Like, I mean, we don't like to talk about Carl getting potentially traded, Jaden potentially traded, but like, what if Wendell Moore develops into something? What if Josh Minot develops into something? Maybe you give Jalen Noel that extension and now you have him locked up relatively long-term and, and he's somebody who if you needed to liquidate or you needed a strong sweetener, you, you like you could put that in the D-low sign and trade if that ends up happening down there. Like Internal development is still important with this team, particularly of their young players who are only going to grow as players in the production, but also in their, in their value as potentially being assets to be moved someday. So, so yeah, they're, they're like the wolves are negative. A lot of first round picks right now. Yes. I think they have plenty of avenues to, if they wanted to get back to neutral, they could, they could move in that direction pretty easily. It was also pretty cool tonight. Just chopping it up with so many different people, people I follow on Twitter, just, you know, putting faces to names. Um, And a lot of those people cover teams that are now, less talented than the Timberwolves um, on paper. Take that. And it kind of reminded me of when me and all my friends in Grand Forks, North Dakota, like after high school, just like went to University of North Dakota. Like we just kind of went to the local college and we had a friend who went to Stanford. And we just kind of like watched him go out, like leave one day. Like, oh shit, that kid's going to Stanford. Like goodbye. Like you're going to go live such a cooler life. I have no idea where this is going. That's what it felt like talking to Kings fans and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, God damn, like, you guys, like, I don't know if you're going to win 60 games, but, like, you guys are going to win 50 games. Like, you might, like, host a first-round playoff series. What? And, like, we passed on Jaden Ivey. Like, it was just, it was cool being there today because, again, I go back to, like, I know for the first couple of days it was tough listening to the Simmons and the Rosillo's on stuff, just shit on the trade. But, like, I think at this is the epicenter right now of the NBA. Um, there's a lot more people intrigued by it. And also, like, damn, like, you guys are going to be – you're going to have things you got to figure out. You're going to have issues come playoff time. You're going to have like, mm-hmm. you know, peaks and valleys. But um, that was my biggest takeaway from my, you know, from my fan analytics was like, there's, there's a lot of people that like basketball, that know basketball well more than I do. They're like, I think that's, that might be the next level. That might be the next wave. That might be right. the next, you know, way that the league 
spins is now into big ball again. So uh, it was I, cool. I also think it's like this idea that the Wolves are trying something completely new. I don't agree with that. I like it. I, I feel like the the big man pairings that people are comparing it to are the ones that didn't work, like Indiana with Sabonis and Turner. Yeah, great like, point. You know, and and I was watching a, a Grizzlies game today on the plane because I wanted to watch Kyle Anderson, and I was like, why? I haven't once heard this this Gobert-Towns pairing compared to Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, Cat and Gobert in like a weird kind of inverted sort of way, one, you know, one shooter, one, you know, one big, Actually, that's not even inverted. Jackson's the four. Like, that worked pretty great. They had the second best record in the league. You know? What it I I think it's already been working. Remember the Bucks? They just won the championship. Like and it's twelve a, months ago. It's not a perfect comp, but like there's a lot of similarities between the the towns Gobert front court mm-hmm. and the Horford Rob Williams one. Sure. Right. I mean, again, there are some minor differences, but like Horford was kind of more that stretch big and Rob Williams was that rim protector. And like, yeah, maybe he could pass a little bit better than Gobert, but right. Gobert can maybe rebound a little better than Rob. So like, it's just, it, it is people weird. are like, oh no, but the Celtics switch five and like, you know, Horford can get out and move better than cats. Like, okay. Yes. I mean, Horford has shown more like, I don't know, lateral quickness and that those sort of things. That's kind of his game. They played drop the whole finals. Like, they did with Rob Williams and Al Horford. So yeah, at least in, in that setting, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't, uh, yeah, it, it's, I think what will end up happening is we, it will stop, go from being this novel concept to be like, oh no, it's just another team going big. Some others have done it before and, you know, knock on wood, the Wolves have just done it better. You know, it's even Cat and Gobert is significantly better than Jaron Jackson Jr. and Steven Adams, you know? And again, you know, people hearing this, it's like, well, how did Jaron Jackson Jr. and Steven Adams work in the playoffs? Sure. But but can we can we also just, like, not always gloss over that? Can we not gloss over, like, man, you guys are going to have some problems come playoff time. Fucking bring it. That's awesome. When right. people say, like, oh, man, yeah, they're probably going to win 50 games. Go look at basketball reference. I think they've won 50 games four times in 33 seasons. Like, listen, man, if I have to worry about how they're going to manage their center combo in the second round of the playoffs, I'd cut my arms off for that. Like, that's <laughs> fine. Well, I love Finch's uh, quote on that from the, the press conference day, too. He's like, yeah, traditionally teams go smaller in the playoffs, but we're not. We're not going to do that. We're going to figure out how to play with the two bigs on the floor. Like, it is also a choice take your center off the floor. The Grizzlies chose to take Steven Adams off the floor. Was that probably the better option for them? Yeah. Would have this like would have the Grizzlies lost that series if they still played Steven Adams 24 minutes tonight? I don't know. I think the Grizzlies probably still win that series. You know, like it is elective to take your center off the floor. Right. Right. And 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 oftentimes it's beneficial, but not when it's Rudy Gobert. <laughs> We're not, there's a, I don't know, maybe this, I'll eat these words, but I think there's a 0% chance that's the first or second round of the playoffs and they're like, can't play Gobert. Like, they'll just, it will be, oh, sometimes this didn't work. But also, on the other end, or some, 
or it, it worked great. Like Cat and Gobert are too good to not play in the playoffs. It will have its take its lumps, but they will continue to play. And in theory, for whatever they give up on the defensive end or switchiness they can't do, they should Carl should be able to punish guys in single, you know, single team on offense on the other side of the floor. Gobert should be able to eat on the glass if teams go small against them and try and play a small five-out lineup. So it's just going to be fascinating when that time comes in the playoffs next year where the team they play is probably going to try and play five out and they're going to probably try and do what they've done to Gobert the past two years. And the Wolves are going to be like, all right, let's go. Like, let's go. And and you've got to, just because you put five guys out on the perimeter doesn't mean you just win the game. Like Terrence Mann has to hit all those threes. You know, those guys need to make those shots too. So I don't know. I mean, I get I get all the downsides, but I think there's been so much glossing over the possibility it could work and how it could work. If it doesn't, you know, we'll we'll have to dig into those things over the course of the season. And these there will be flares sent up about the concerns. And it's then it's on Chris Finch to, you know, work on ironing ironing those out over time. I'm just I don't feel like it's being like home or anything. I'm just I'm I'm not as scared of potential pratfalls of Cat and Gobert as a lot of national media people I respect are. I just I'm not. And I've been watching this team closer than than they have. And when they do hit those, specifically Carl, and when they do hit those bumps in the road, come January, come March, come the first round of the playoffs, come the second round of the playoffs, what will be the answer? Josh Bynum, <laughs> the lawnmower. All right, he's uh, he's Kyle Tyge. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Kyle Tyge. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Uh, I should have a cool guest. For you tomorrow, it's like one of those things where I don't want to say it's happening until it actually happens. It's it's not your cool guest. But uh, I'll be back with another episode for you, either coming out uh, Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Until then, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.